You're listening to a special episode of the No Gray Areas podcast with Patrick McCullough. If you haven't already, be sure to go back and listen to episodes 35 and 36 with Chris Hilkin. This behind the scenes episode is a continuation of their conversation on grief. Let's tune in. I hate telling that story, but it always feels like the victory of the grave gets a little weaker every time I tell it. Do you know what I mean? It's like what the enemy intended for evil, God intended for good. And it's like every time I get to tell and it's beca- it becomes beneficial in someone's heart or it brings them closer to Jesus, it's like death and sin and all those things that, that, that what the grave took gets redeemed in a sense because the story is able to bring people closer to Jesus, which is the opposite of what the enemy wants. Mm-hmm. And so it's I hate telling it and I love God's faithfulness to impact through it yeah. at the same time. So, Riley, I don't know if we're still going, but um, I can I can imagine that telling the story. There's there's the you just keep ripping the bandaid off in some ways, but at the same time, there's there's a sense of healing with it, right? Mm-hmm. My grandma, I always remember what she said to me when, when my grandpa died, and I asked her. I was in high school. And I asked her months later, like, like, what's one of the most difficult times you go? And she goes, one of the most difficult things is people don't want to make me sad, so they don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so I've always thought about that. Is when I'm seeing people go through grief, going, you know, you start to talk about someone, like someone, maybe someone who knows you well as couples, and they start talking about Paige, and maybe it's one of those moments where now you start crying, and now they feel bad because they're talking. But, the worst thing is for people to just pretend like it never happened. Oh my gosh. Or that yeah, she I, never existed. I totally wish I said that in, in what I was talking about earlier. Because that's probably 1A or 1B of the don'ts, which is I had someone tell me this like three months ago. They were talking about something about the co op, the homeschooling co op we were in and everything. And, um, and they said, oh, Paige loved vanilla ice cream or whatever. And they looked over at me and they're like, they like made their way of like, I'm sorry if I if I brought that up when you weren't ready for it and everything. And I kind of looked at him quizzically like, brought that up? You think I've stopped thinking about my wife for the past eight months for even a minute? Mm-hmm. Like, like somehow I went, oh yeah, I totally forgot that my wife died. Like, that's all I think about all the time. And so it, it, it actually feels opposite. It feels weirder. I would rather you walk in my house and go, tell me a page story. Or to go... Paige used to laugh so hard when this, I want you to bring it up because I'm already thinking about it. It's already on my, and I feel like I have to tiptoe on other people, right? Like we get to Easter and I see what like my daughter Harper is wearing and all I want to go is, oh my gosh, your, your mom would have loved the way that you look. But then everyone else kind of winces up like, ooh, Mm. kind of a thing. And it's like, I know I want to talk about it. Like I loved our marriage. I loved my wife. I love our memories. I love those things. And I don't want those to die. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to become taboo. You know, I don't want to become like the family thing that eight years from now, you know, like say there's another woman in the picture and they go, oh, oh no, don't, don't say that because Paige used to. No, it's like, that's always going to be a celebrated part of my mm-hmm. life. Like mm-hmm. she was so amazing and transformational. And those are my, those are my babies. That's my baby's mom. Like I want to talk about her all the time. Yeah. And so I've had to, I've had to, even train my community of like, don't ask dumb questions like, how are you doing, right? Well, it feels like a truck just ran over the worst part of my heart. Like, but they've started to ask better questions. Like, 
what made you think about Paige today? What are, um, how, if you had to categorize today's grief, what would it be most? Or what's a memory of Paige that you haven't shared in a while that you want to share with us? And it allows me to talk about her and to think about her again. And that's healing so much more than as if, if I don't talk about it for a while, it's going to go away. Even, even when, even when maybe someone asks you about Paige, like they said, oh, she loved, I remembered she loved vanilla ice cream. And that hits you a painful moment and, and you tear up or now it feels like uncomfortable what you're saying. I still want to hear about it just because it made me sad in that moment or grieving that I don't get to share vanilla ice cream with her anymore. It still was a good thing to say or the right thing to say because we're talking about my wife who I love. It's just too simplistic to go crying people are, uh, oh, no, 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 don't cry or don't make someone cry. It's like crying is such a cathartic part of the grieving process. Like if you see me crying, you didn't strike a chord. You didn't hurt my feelings. You brought out some more things that I need to be relieved of. That's such a good, because I think that's what we're, you, you, you just like uncovered a lie that I think we subtly believe when we're dealing with someone who's grieving. Like if I, if I cause them to cry, I've done something wrong. Like crying isn't a healthy part of the you grieving process. You learn that process. in kindergarten, right? Like, why are they crying? And whenever someone cries, the other person gets punished more. And so you just naturally associate crying with you did something wrong or you've hurt somebody. And crying for the grieving person isn't because you've hurt me. It's because you've brought to mind something or you've let me relive something or or a new part of my heart is being healed by the memory of that you just brought with me. Or maybe I'm crying out of joy because you brought up my wife again. Mm. And I don't want to be the moron that walks around to everywhere I go and goes, let's all talk about my dead wife. Like, but I want to. And so sometimes that I, I get really grateful when people are really have low EQ and just go, oh man, that's reminds me of that one time that Paige did this one thing. Cause I'm going, yay, we're talking about her again. I want mm -hmm. to talk about her. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I want to, I always want to keep that fresh in our mm -hmm. mind. So for sure, crying we'll does not mean bad. And we'll be so such a healthy part for your kids too, right? Yeah. Like that's going to be such a healthy part where it's not like they need to like, f like you said, BC 80. Yeah. Like for them, it's like, okay, this is where we talked and celebrated mom. And from here on, we just kind of try to move on. That's not healthy. Yeah. And I remember. But we subtly, we subtly almost teach that. Yeah. Rick Warren called me because he, he, he lost his, his son to suicide too. Mm -hmm. And so he heard about the story and he ended up calling me and he gave me this really great piece of advice too that um, he, he said, don't ever try to cheer up someone who's grieving. And it was just a, it's a simple thing to say, but he said that the aim of someone grieving is not to cheer them up. It's to be present with them and let them feel everything that they're feeling. And that's been super helpful too, to understand, oh, it's not my job to stop you from crying. It's just my job to be with you while you're doing mm -hmm. it. And cause that can feel weird too. If someone needs like move to a joke because they're uncomfortable with the heaviness of the situation, that can feel dishonoring to to what I've lost is like, I don't, I'm not, I, you're uncomfortable. I'm the one who lost my wife, but right now you're the uncomfortable one and I'm not. Like talking about suicide, talking about these things, they, they, this is all so normal to me because this is all I've thought about for the last eight months. You know what I mean? It's like a, a, a doctor who, you know, worked again, like a, someone like a gynecologist, someone else like that. They're, they're, this, the thought of it, the, the, the conversations regarding it, the, even like when you walk into a lab or a nurse who like does IVs all the time, like, Needles don't freak them out. Why? Because it's like their job. And for me, like suicide, death, pain, grief, crying, doesn't freak me out. That's all I've done. It's the, this is the world you're living in. Yeah, it's the in. world that I live in. Yeah. So it makes you uncomfortable. It doesn't make me uncomfortable. 
But I think that's what we say would, sometimes. Would it help? Because I think there are a lot of people that are uncomfortable when they're around someone grieving. Does it help the situation if you if if they're sometimes just honest and saying, "Hey, I, I'm I'm uncomfortable right now. I'm not quite sure what to say or how to." I mean, is that is that helpful? No, I don't think so. You don't want the grieving person to feel like it's their job to console you. And that's what we get a lot is you'll like, I would, I show up to the memorial and people are coming like, I, it's so hard for me. Like she was my best friend. And then as a pastor, what do I do naturally? You're, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. You're going through this. And that feels like your tank gets emptied so quickly. There's this, um, there's this uh, girl who I, she, she's a, she's a preacher too. Um, and I know it from Hume Lake. And I remember that's what she told me. She said the hardest, the, the, she just lost her husband last year. She said the hardest thing you're going to go through is because of how strong you are, people are going to lean on you to process Paige. And they are going to expect you to console them for the loss of your wife. And it's going to feel so backwards to you because you're not going to want to leave them out to dry, but you also don't have the strength to console someone else right now because you're going through it yourself. And so that's that would be my only thing to say to that of, hey, this is really uncomfortable because I'm going to feel like it's my job to make you more now, comfortable. Now you're, yep. So I, again... You can't say those three words enough. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And if I talk to you about 18 different things, if I go, I don't know what I'm going to do with, with my future, I'm so sorry. What, what, are my kids going to be okay? I'm so sorry. Don't tell me they are. You don't yeah, know that. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be fine. They're going to be great. They're going to love Jesus. You don't know any of those things, mm -hmm. but you can always say, I am so sorry. I can't imagine. I'm so sorry. I can't imagine. If you put that on a broken record, I'll sit with you all day and feel very mm -hmm. comfortable with you. Mm -hmm. As, as going through my grief. That's all you got to say to me. That sucks. I'm so sorry. I can't imagine. Um, you don't need any bigger words than that. Mm -hmm. So that's like the top of that list. What's the best thing to say? I'm so sorry. That sucks. I can't imagine what you're going through. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's not poems. It's not, this is the yeah. Bible verse that I, you yeah. know, it's just that simple phrase over and over again. It, it is it is interesting, and I think part of it is probably just because of our Western culture, and again, this subtle lie of if you live a good life, you should get a good life. Mm -hmm. That's very, 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 very subtly taught us. Um, but the Bible's full of lamenting. Yeah, It's part of, I mean, Jesus did. Again, it's the shortest version of the English Bible, you know, but the whole idea of, you know, Jesus wept. I, I listened to a sermon recently. It was on grief. I think it was Tim Keller who... He talks about the proper translation for Jesus wept in its context would be that Jesus angered, he, he uh, billows with anger. Jesus billows with anger. It was like he saw in his human form the end result of sin, which is death and separation of your loved ones and grief and everything. And that he didn't just sit there and, and cry in his sadness but it was almost like an active roar against the grave. That feels so much more mm -hmm. like my experience than just sadness. It's this yeah. vitriolic, visceral, angry response towards what the grave has taken from people. Mm -hmm. But then it also partners you with this open-handed approach to like, just God, God, just come back and redeem everything. Mm -hmm. And what's supposed to be this way. And exactly. it won't be this way. And someday. it won't be this way. There's just, a destiny. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, I don't, I never really thought about heaven. I taught it. I knew, I knew that, you know, it, we're going to have a resurrected body. I know that there's going to be food. There's going to be everything. But I never dreamed about it. And now I do. 
Like, I just want it so bad. But not in an unhealthy way. Not in a way where it's like, I'm going to. And it's, 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 I think it's G.K. Chesterton, maybe, who says it. He says, Christians get accused of being a group that has their head in their clouds too much. He said the opposite. Christians should be a group that has their heads in the clouds more. And it's not that the more you have your heads in the clouds, the less effectual you are on planet Earth. It's the more you have your heads in the clouds, the more effectual you are because you see everything in perspective. The, the, the old adage, they're too heavenly minded to be in the earthly good. Yeah, yeah. really doesn't make any sense. That's the opposite. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. Our, our problem usually is we're not heavenly minded yeah. enough. We're not. If, I'm, if I'm heavenly minded and I see that this, this world, as James says, is, is, a, is a vapor in the wind, how do you think I spend my money? How do you think I spend my time? Where do you think I focus my energy? Mm -hmm. It's just it's here today and gone tomorrow. So I'm going to be more generous. I'm going to be more giving with my time. I'm going to be more apt to reach out to someone. I'm going to be more welcoming to someone that's not like me because it's it's hell is hot and life is short and eternity is long. And so I just reach out and I because I don't see things as mine. I see this as this borrowed thing for this season. And then when you watch your wife die, you you go look what I did. Like we 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 didn't eat gluten and we like I took vitamins every day and, and my wife like worked out and had her own exercise routine and she had followers all over the world that tuned in to like her supplements and that she used and everything and she's dead so this false sense of security that the world pitches to us that if you do this and you, like what you're saying it's like uh, romans 8 28 i think is the most misunderstood verse in scripture i think isaiah 55 8 and 9 is the least trusted your ways not my ways but i think the most misunderstood is romans 8 28 and 29 so, and that's for we know that all, things. that all things work together for the good of those who love and who are called according to his purpose. But that word good, it, that, that, that's the next question. What does good mean? And then you go to the next verse, which is 829, which is for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So, what is God's definition of goodness? It's total conformity to the picture of Jesus Christ in mind, attitude, and function in everything that we do. To be like Christ is to be good. So the promise is, I will use anything in your life. To make you more like Jesus. I will make, I will use all things to make you more like Jesus. What I think really what he's saying is, is, there's an arsenal in front of me. And if you as a Jesus follower really want to be close to him, I'm making you a covenant. I'm not going to withhold anything that makes you more like Jesus. Well, that goes from being really comforting to really scary, but then comforting again, Right. Well, God, don't worry. Everything's going to be good. You're not going to lose your wife or you're going to have a better wife next time. That's what people told me after Tito died. They're like, well, if Tito died, he's my buddy died in Afghanistan. Well, if Tito died, God's got something better in store for you. It's like, like what? Two best friends? Like, what do you talk? What do you mean? He's got mm -hmm. something. Like, well, that's what the, they promises you. That's not what it promises me. Um, John the Baptist, his head was cut off. He didn't get out of prison when he was right. questioning. And Jesus said, go back and tell him the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, lepers are healed. You know, John the Baptist could have been, okay, well, then why am I still sitting in here? But he never gets out. So that's so good that you're unpacking that Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for good. You have to define what that good is. And again, I, I could tell that you you guys probably had a similar relationship, but I, I mean, I just, I really could say I can't imagine. I mean, Sean and I met in sixth grade we yeah. did it through high school. <laughs> right. We've been, we just celebrated our 30th anniversary, and I still have plans for the future, like you were talking about. If she was gone... I would imagine that I would be very similar to you just going like, what, what is, what, this is all just, but I don't, I, I, I preach that, but I don't know that I, I, I feel it deep in my soul, Yeah. but I could see losing something. And I, I think that's a good thing for anyone that's listening. Just imagine that, imagine that phone call 
where your life turns upside down and what you know trying to guess what your response would be is not gonna be the same thing but i think it does quickly test and does a little litmus test of like man what what do i value what do i love what is most important to me if i got the phone call that said and it maybe it's not your wife right maybe it's um maybe you're divorced or maybe you you already would whatever it might be but whatever is most important to you in your life whatever that that thing is of most importance if that was gone what would your natural response be and it, until it happens you don't know it but to not prepare or not create those foundational truths for it is to prepare to fail in that moment because it, it happens so quick. That's why you see so many widows walk away from their faith. You see so many people who are athletes who get injured, who go from being FCA people to like walking away. Why? Because they, they, they conflated God with the things that he gave them. Mm-hmm. God is good because I have these good things. And if I don't have these good things, I, then he's no longer good or he's no longer God or there is no God. And that's why like, as an apologist, you talk to people in the atheistic community, the agnostic community, and there's almost none of them who, when you start talking to them, one of their biggest arguments against God is they start talking about what the church did. And you go, well, that's not really a great argument that God doesn't exist. That just means people are jerks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And so we conflate those things way too often, but yeah. I think you're right, for sure. Yeah. yeah. We're good. You good? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks for, again, same thing I talked about, like, it it's just cleansing. It's good to have this conversation for me. It's good to relive those things. And every time it stings a little bit less. And I think knowing that it's going out to help people is yeah. absolutely what Paige would have yeah. wanted. And I think it redeems yeah. what was lost. So yeah. I love that. Thanks for listening to the No Gray Areas podcast. To dive deeper into the story, be sure to subscribe, follow us on social media, and check out nograyareas.com.